Jaguar shark. Jaguar shark. Jaguar shark. Jaguar shark. Welcome to a brand new season of Mind Brain Movies. I am your Sherpa into the Mind Brain Hope. I uh, I know it's been a long time since the last episode that we had. I myself and my two lovely cohorts here, you know, we both all had a lot going on individually and as a group. So we kind of just took a little hiatus, but I know I am very excited to get back into this with everybody. Um, you've heard me on my other podcast with my other Jaguar Sharks hosts, but I want to deep dive into my lovely ladies' lives and how they've been. So, uh, Elizabeth, give us a little update since last time we had you on Mind Brain. I was going to be like, nah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that into my life, no. <laughs> Fine, but we'll, we'll, um, we'll shallow dive. How about that? Uh, um... Well, I am Twitch now. I'm a Twitch streamer, actually. <laughs> and I've been okay. doing a lot of uh, really cool things on YouTube, like uh, my own sort of like YouTube videos that are more, most of it, I, I, I don't know if people remember, but I am, uh, or I created Psychology for Geeks, and then we do a, a blending of like geek culture and mental health. And so I have a lot of new really awesome videos that are coming out for that, like different panels that we talk about. And um, I well, I have a lot of projects that I'll be doing with these two lovely ladies. So uh, yeah, check those out. I think that's that's mainly what I've been doing is trying to transition that uh, brand into a nonprofit. That Wait, what me. about your background, your education? I'm oh. sure that has changed. <laughs> yeah, just just a little major. You know, <laughs> I totally forgot. Oh, oh, wait, let me just tell you a funny story. Oh, if that wasn't what I was going to do. But okay, so I finally graduated after like a gazillion years. So I finally have my PhD now. And along with like my diploma, they send like a mini little card. Oh, God, like, that's right. That's of, right. Of, like I the diploma. And I was like, what's this? Because that's the first that's thing cute. that arrived. And I was like, why do I need a pocket sized diploma? Like, what's the point of this? And then, like, the letter said, oh, to remind yourself how much you've accomplished or whatever. And I'm like, I just need the big one. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, what I, mean. like, I don't know. What I want to show off the big one. Going. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> I, I just thought that was like so weird and then immediately I like contacted my friends and I was like did you guys also get this weird little pocket diploma and they're like oh yeah they sent you that and I'm like why like when are we ever gonna be like oh hold on let me just give a pocket <laughs> diploma and show you I'm qualified like I don't know when, you know when you go to a conference and they don't think you stack up it's like I have it <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah I made jokes with uh, my brother and uh, our friends, and then I'm like, I have a car that says I'm better than you now, so you have to come <laughs> to see. And then they're like, no. And I was like, I have a car, though. Do you have a car? I don't think so. <laughs> Nobody's calling me. Oh, you got to milk it. You have to. Yeah, for sure. 100%. <laughs> you worked hard for it, so do, you mm-hmm. know, pull it all the stops. I kind of forget about it. (laughs) If it wasn't, obviously, be like, oh, okay. (laughs) Oh yeah, that thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm in debt for the rest of my life. For it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, just the blood, sweat, and tears. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) 
I got a pocket size diploma to show for it. Yay. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. And Boone, what's been going on with you, my love? Um so I see that you've been doing a lot of new YouTube videos lately. Yes. I'm rebuilding <laughs> my YouTube. And what's something cool about me? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell uh, you something cool I would like to know. Okay, so I haven't seen, but I, like, watched the videos yet. They're, like, on my to-watch list. But you have a lot of videos where you talk about, like, a different, uh, like, personality type. And I was wondering if you could like explain that a little bit. So like it's each video because it's kind of like you have the personality type in the title and then you have like the title, like, I don't know, let's say like self-esteem or whatever. Um, are you talking about like self-esteem uh, of that like specific personality type in that video? So a quick thing about archetypes and personality. So I know you're, we're going to talk about it with the, the film anyways, because it's about identity, right? So every personality is a facet of an archetype. Everyone has different personality types and everyone has different archetypes. There's one primary archetype or a handful that shape your relationship with who you think you are. And so there's this lifelong journey of like working through the shadow of um, loving all of it. So that's basically it. So my joke, again, the joke in the personality world is you're not your personality, you're not your archetype, like, but we think we are. So we survive with it because people reflect it back to us. So we're never who we are isolated from others. That's impossible. We can think we are who we are, but if people don't reflect it back, then there's something incongruent, right? So certain personality types or archetypes have more struggles or crises with identity, depending on like per um, percentage-wise, how common your type is, you know, the culture you're in the way people perceive the value of a specific type. So like um, sensitive people, we're in a certain cluster of what it means to be a human being, but we're perceived as weak, right? So if you pair that with the uh, capitalistic pro productive society, then certain sensitive, weak, disabled people, we fall into similar realms of identity where people devalue us. Either it's by like them saying, we're draining the economy. We're not as valuable because we can't work as much as other people. So it like we internalize that. And so the message is like this constant finding of value and worth just because you exist. And it's harder for certain people because we don't get the mirroring back just because, again, it could be anything really just because of numbers. Like you just don't feel like you're as important because people will project onto you like, well, I have to work this hard. And you can't because you're sick or disabled. Like, that's so unfair. And so, like, again, we're just projecting our pain and struggle onto other people. And so I talk about that a lot. It's like, you can't take it in or else you're going to be losing that your entire life. Like, it's so valuable. But we tend to do that. And it's hard. So, like, it's just a reminder. Like, it is hard. It's constantly hard. Yeah. Oh. It's great to have those, those reminders in. I say, yeah, I know I, I watch all, a lot of your YouTube videos and you, you once we get Boonie going, she gets real passionate about this. So. <laughs> Sorry, I got so serious, but like, no, no, I love life it. Sucks. I, I love it. Like you do get like legit. I there was one you were saying and you were talking about like, you know, the, the different struggles with uh, society and different um Oh, just like different upbringings. I know you got 
you dove into Attack on Titan at one point, and it was great, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, I've, I personally have been so proud of both of you ladies as of late uh, with everything you're doing, and I'm so happy to be in y'all's lives and working with both of you. Uh, now that we've gotten a little update on you guys without making Boonie hyperventilate again, and <laughs> uh, let's talk about what we're here to talk about today. So if you've ever listened to me in any of our previous podcasts, you might know I'm a smidgen of a Satoshi Khan obsessed freak. I just a little bit. live and die this man. Unfortunately, he has passed. He passed of stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, he actually never got to see this film, which is Paprika. Uh, he never got to see it fully released because he passed away before it was uh, fully created, which is really sad. And I'm such a great man. I could go on and on. I'm going to cut myself off before I go into Satoshi Khan rant. Um, <laughs> But yeah, today we're going to talk about paprika, and it's going to be a little bit different of a sort of the normal. So um, a lot of people, as you know, will talk, will watch the movie, we'll talk about it, share our insights, whatever the thing is. Uh, Boone over here thought we were having a watch party and has not seen the film, but we showed her the trailer, <laughs> and we are going to like. We're going to have a, an interesting trio of ideas going on between me, the obsessed fanatic, Liz, the first time watcher, and Doctor. And then Boone is like, I guess, our control group, I guess. Because, <laughs> oh. because to give us an unbiased. Yeah. Like, so she seen we just showed her the that. trailer. But and then she can go in between my hyper obsessive freakishness, Elizabeth's, you know, intuitiveness of the film. And then you can just be like, all right, I'm going to ground both of you. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be the happy medium for the three of us. Um, so I know uh, a little basis. Paprika is about dreams and self-actualization and self-identity just the imagery alone is i i always tell people if you can watch this movie twice normally and once high mm -hmm. then you'll fully see the movie mm -hmm. and um <laughs> and that's pure but i will i will argue that you have to see it more than once because this is something that I really like about just Japanese filmmakers in general, that they put a lot of uh, thought into sort of like symbolism and like background things. So like I didn't pick up a lot of it, of it because I'm not very familiar with like the Japanese culture in that yeah. sense. Food, yes. <laughs> but the, the culture and the history of it, not as much. But um, I feel like you, that's one of those movies because we talk about Avatar a lot and how like every time you watch it, you get something or we get reminded of something. Like this is one of those movies where you can just like watch it over and yes. over again and each time you get something yeah. different. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was saying. You're minimum also, like, minimum watch it twice normally, minimum. Yeah. And then watch it high once because then you're going to get a whole other ball game watching it high. So <laughs> that's how I see it. <laughs> um, and... 
<laughs> this one won't be as scary as the other one. What was the other one? The other one was kind of scary. Too. Oh, so another one of Satoshi Khan's films that we did last season Perfect. was Perfect Blue. <laughs> and Boone wasn't working with us just oh. yet, but uh, this is actually how I reached out to Boone was through the Perfect Blue episode because she commented and I was like, oh, I'm going to steal you too. But Elizabeth had never <laughs> seen it and she had never been exposed to the Sato- the mind of Satoshi Khan. And she's like, what am I doing, Hope? I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. I'm crying. I don't like this, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> it was so weird. I was like, I love it. But like, I was like, whoa, like the whole time I was like, I don't even know what's happening. And I think I still don't really know what's happening. But <laughs> so with this film, though, with Paprika, Elizabeth, what did you, you had a couple of notes. Uh, obviously, we're talking about self-identity and dreaming. But how, how, and I kind of leaned into that and told both of you a little bit the basis of what the film is. Were you expecting this kind of trippy dreamness or were you just, was it, did it take you aback when you saw this? Honestly, like, I don't know if it's be, because I've been watching more anime lately or because I have already seen the, like, the first movie, which it's still, like, in my head, it's still, like, the trippiest movie. <laughs> this one was, like, relatively normal. Like, there was a, a few times where I had to, like, uh, be like, oh, okay, this isn't, like, really happening. It's that suspension of disbelief kind of thing. Um, but overall, I think it was, like, actually pretty good. Like, in, in terms of, like, not freaking me out or being, like, yeah, I mean, I was still kind of like, what's happening? Because there's a lot of, like, blending of what's, like, a dream and reality. And that's kind of, like, that they gave you a couple of times. Before. Yeah, I finally broke um, you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is all normal now. <laughs> well, I know before you were, like, there's an intermingling of how the dream and reality overlaid each other so maybe i've gotten maybe i'm paprika and i finally made it so you <laughs> don't know the difference between dreams okay, and reality i feel like every time i'm like hold on let me just ask you questions because i have questions i don't know what happened like i finished <laughs> the movie and i was like that was great and i told my brother i was like you should watch it it was really good and then i was like but do i really know what happened though i feel like i didn't <laughs> so hold on hold on a second so, was it supposed to be, like, like a split personality of hers or, like, a role that she it went into? It was a role that she went into. As a therapist. So. Oh, okay. And also, also, like, what was with the creepy doll doing the half um, Hill Hydra salute? Like... <laughs> You're it was blending like worlds and fandoms. Normally we would say the Nazi salute and you went for a Hydra, but okay. <laughs> I didn't want to mention that. Uh, so in a another show that we do, Split the Difference, that's uh, one of my other co-hosts, Jesse's shows, it talks about remakes versus originals. However, we did sort of like an interesting episode with Paprika. Uh, I brought it to his attention and it was the fact that Inception is pretty much a ripoff of Paprika. But 
That's what it reminds me of it's, when I it's saw the trailer. A more yeah, it looks like Inception, but not as trippy. Form. It's a more yeah. tame, muted form yeah. of Inception. And Christopher Nolan's like, oh, that didn't happen. I'm like, this is more than parallel thinking, sir. You can say whatever. Uh, but um, just as a basis, yeah, this was, it was definitely the inspiration for Inception. Thousand percent. So if you haven't seen the movie, but you've seen mm. Inception, just think of it a lot more beautiful, a lot more vibrant, and a lot trippier <laughs> Inception. <laughs> I'm guessing it also has a different theme of like, so there was like a, was it, they're stealing and robbing. There's like, you know, stealing motif in that one. This one reminds me of like the obvious reclaiming of self and fighting for your A little bit, yeah, but there is um, sort of stealing in this because the premise is they have this thing called the DC Mini. They have your basic... uh, like machine at their labs where they can go into a person's dream they can go through it and communicate with it and visualize the dreams because their whole thing is if we can access dreams we can Mm. help a person's psychosis we can talk to them in their dreams we might be able to help other mental disorders or see how their psyche is going or like tap into maybe like hidden memories through dreams different they're trying to use this as a Mm. psychological psychiatric thing in order to help people but they made what's called the dc mini like the dream capture mini that was handheld by one of the scientists and then someone stole that and they were terrorizing people's dreams going into it with this dc mini because they stole the dc mini so a little Mm -hmm. bit of stealing and terrorism in this as well well, I I wanted I wanted to see if we can have a little bit of time to talk about um, sort of because we've seen a bunch of movies where like robots take over the world and stuff, and there is something to be said. Even in the movie, it's mentioned that there's something to be said about you know um, like technology improving our lives yeah. and and changing sort of like our perspective. And it was like they talked about like radio and like. Uh, the, like the fridge and, and things like that, which are like amazing inventions, and I don't think I could live without them. Um, but it also kind of made me think about like how much should we be pushing the science when it comes to like the mental health field? They didn't ask a question um, of because like why they should have been asking or how instead of why we were going back to Jurassic Park here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Because I was like, okay, I was like, well, there are so many, like, because uh, I, I felt like maybe I didn't have enough of the perspective of like another like mental health provider. Because it was through the mind of like a scientist. They were like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you can share a dream with like your uh, like a friend? Yeah, that would be cool, huh? And then like somebody else was like yeah but we're gonna make this into like a therapeutic kind of thing not so much into like a toy that the person is sort of envisioning or whatever like an extra cool gadget and then that's what makes me think about sometimes where i'm like okay like yes being able to connect easier and understand you know the people that we're working with a lot better is great 
I'm all for that. But I'm like, but to what extent do we need to push this? <laughs> you know, and then it just kind of made me afraid of like how much we get stuck into this whole, oh, let's make more science improvement as opposed to let's figure out how we can connect mm-hmm. connect more on a human level. Because I feel like we need that a lot more than we need more gadgets or more like advanced technology that will help us do. So I want, before I, before I say my piece, uh, Boone, what do you think about what Elizabeth just said? Um, well, maybe think a couple things. So I'm in a therapist group where someone is, I don't want to out them. They're probably never going to listen, whatever. So like there's this partnership with AI, meta AI, um, in the therapist group and they're like let's welcome our alien ai overlords and and uh, work more with ai like no we don't need to do that it's like what does ai offer you as again it is that human connection that heals above yes. all it's the relationships the number one intervention right and so mm-hmm. if you are seeking that to make something easier easier whether it's for case conceptualization finding an intervention or documenting for insurance purposes like First of all, we should just like make it easier to get reimbursement and easily. It's, you're making it too hard. Why do you have to make it so hard to write and right. document you did something to help someone anyways? Like just just pick and choose from a verbiage and like combine it. Like I don't know why this is so hard. Anyway, so that's just my ramble. <laughs> I don't even do that because I'm not a therapist. I'm just bashing you guys. Um, so, no, no, but like um, I agree with you though because I like I think part of it is that instead of trying to fix the system or trying to figure out a way around the system. Exactly. So again, the broken systems for the people who have, don't have access to the technology at any privilege, they're going to continue to suffer. So let's just make everything light and breezy and perfect for those who already have the money and the power. And so there's, again, just like dystopia, it's always the message of the gap between privilege and the have nots the gap gets so big that you forget the people on the bottom with no clean air no food nothing so like um i was thinking about the possibility of so much breaching of confidentiality you have all these people accessing your dreams and there's a database somewhere the government has our stuff anyways you know i remember i saw this this one thing on reddit whatever it was this one girl who used to work for the nsa she had three million dick pics she just was completely Hoarding taking them all pics. every time someone sent she dick pic hoard- she was downloading it yeah she had them all she she just couldn't she stop she's like, she like Pokemon. so she obviously had <laughs> yes she had access she had the privilege she had the clearance and that's what people are doing you have the human error behind ai and technology you cannot deny that people are going to do it like just in the movie People will take advantage and use it because they're curious yes. or because just because they can without question. So it is an ethical problem. Yeah, I feel like I'm like, if you are going to invest in like some sort of like technology, there's other things you can do. Like I saw, I saw a comedian who was like, who was it? I think he was like, I don't know. I don't remember who he was, but they were like, why don't you just make a tortilla chip that can hold my guacamole? Like that's more like something yeah, that I will yeah. actually need. Quality of life. As a, <laughs> yeah. As opposed to like something else that's like, you know, not really going to be helpful. And with that, I'm going to pass this to, to Hope because my dog is about to like melt himself if I don't pay attention. <gasps> okay. I was right. wondering what the dingling Aww. was. Um, So what I was going to say is, in the end, there, there is uh, one of the doctors who creates the DC Mini in this movie. And they 
say he is a giant child in a man's body, basically, who created this thing. Mm-hmm. And the woman who uses it, uh, you know, he calls her Achan. Uh, he, she forms her other self, which is Paprika, which is the one who goes into the dreams. And she's the one using this and doing like kind of the therapy in the dreams with these people. Whereas the creator, mm-hmm. again, she constantly in the real world is like screaming at him. She's like, you know, you're just a giant child. You don't see the big picture. You know, you're just, this is just one of your other playthings. You know, you're such a brilliant mind, hmm. but you just let everything else go to the side. And it's it's a very interesting situation. And at the end, at the end, she she connects with him more on a human level and outside of the dreams, outside of her other persona of paprika. And they actually have a better understanding of each other at the end because they both took the time to step out and create that human bond outside of the therapy, outside of the DC mini, outside Mm. of the dreams. And he grew up and she softened her heart a little bit, you know, because she... Did he though? (laughs) Look at that face. (laughs) I was just thinking, I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, there was this like major thing where like, she was highly aware that he needed to like take mm. responsibility for like his inventions and stuff and that he wasn't. He was just kind of like, hey, I can just make it better, right? Like I can finalize it and it would be perfect and none of this would be a problem anymore. But she was like, dude, like people are hurting because of this thing that you invented. Like you need to take responsibility. And she went to confront him, but then he didn't really say anything. And then the next thing we know, he's like stuck in a dream and then he gets out of the dream. They but don't marry. It's married to her. But did he grow up? Did he learn his lesson? Yeah, because Paprika says, oh, her name is going to change to his name. Oh, I don't know. They never physically showed it. Oh, that's what I understood. They, yeah. Well, no, they they don't show it, but like, uh, yeah, because they said that she's going to change her last name to the other guy's last name, the doctor's last name. But I'm like, I don't think he ever... He does own up... he does like, acknowledge, acknowledge you know that. after he went through his own yeah. dreamlike state it sinks in that like hey yeah i should start taking responsibility uh just just because he went through the personal trauma himself he wasn't taking anything at all until he went through it himself now as far as how much responsibility he took that's another story but he did start to acknowledge Baby steps, girl. Baby steps. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'll do that. But I actually wanted to talk, like, to hear uh, Boone's opinion on this because I, uh, I've been concentrating on adults um, quite a bit more uh, in terms of like, other areas of, of mental health. But um, when I was doing one of my practicums, there was a uh, one of my supervisors who said something along the lines of who are highly intelligent in terms of like what we consider like academic uh, things they usually um, their emotional intelligence isn't as developed as you who know, said that <laughs> uh, as, as intelligence <laughs> and, and that could be because they spend 
And in a sense, it could be true because when we see a bright child who is doing really well in school, we tend to provide that child with everything they need for them to continue succeeding, but not necessarily. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is. <laughs> you, you got the support like the from the dog. <laughs> Bashing B- smart boomy, people. <laughs> Um, continue, Elizabeth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that was just, uh, that was just, uh, he said that he was referring to children, not necessarily Ah. adults, but it's just, I think in general, in our society, we don't, uh, emotional intelligence isn't something we encourage as a society, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, that's why everyone needs a boomy. Yes. (laughs) Um, and then, so I was kind of like thinking like in terms of like this person, like clearly that's what happened. Like he, uh, and everyone around him was praising him so much for like, he's being a genius in like science that everybody just sort of like, I don't think anyone other than like that friend and the girl, which I totally forgot her name, uh, actually pushed him to acknowledge so you're you're talking about um atsuko chiba yeah he called her i was like there's no way i can say the other one (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah yeah just say achan i think she was the only one that was sort of like wanting him to become like a better person and acknowledge emotions and then that's that's kind of what i wanted like to hear a little Mm -hmm. bit more about sort of like um, your experience being with people uh, not really acknowledging um, like emotional intelligence or valuing it. Okay, this is tricky. Um, so I think like the stereotype of a smart person is lacking emotional intelligence. But if you look at old demographic surveys of people who are highly gifted in some way it's actually the feeling so in the myers-briggs system there's feeling type and thinking type there's actually a lot of feelers who get typed as highly gifted but but the the thinkers the rationals in the groups who see those reports and numbers are like this is not true like flip tables like how dare these feelers have more numbers of gifted people than we do we're the intellectual we're the archetype of of like the architect we're the visionary in some way i'm like so Anyways, you guys got butt hurt. Um, so the thing about the maybe that's why Stephen Hawking like abused his wife, <laughs> probably. Um, so there's this thing like again, every type of person, personality-wise, has the potential to be highly intelligent. It's it's like the luck of the draw. Okay, so there's some things that it's naturally gifted. You have the ability to nurture over time, which is why diversity and inclusion is so important. Like you have all these like mathematicians gifted very profound thinkers who get lost as children because they didn't have access to resources right so like that's just side note um but if you have someone who consider intelligent this is what society does to people because they see you as gifted in some way they're going to only see that part they're not nurturing a whole person like so a gifted person (laughs) could have capacity in the beginning to be holy holy nurturing as a intellectual soft sensitive in that way, expressing themselves and identifying how they feel. But 
nobody really sees that. So stereotypes come into play because we don't think that. So it's like, so you're saying it's like forcefully stunted. Mm-hmm. In yes. A sense. So like because of me being super smart, they didn't think that I needed to go to the library. <laughs> um, so like growing up, I didn't have any books. <laughs> Like, how am I supposed to get smarter and learn if I don't have access? Or even, I don't, you even, they dropped my sister off at the library. I had to stay home. Anyway, so like, <laughs> what? That, I know. That's a whole other discussion, folks. Sorry. <laughs> Trauma dumping. Um, so, so there's certain things like if you see someone a certain way, our projections of a person come out and then we internalize it. That's an introjection. We internalize the things that people think we are and that limits our identity again and again. So we do it to each other. Yeah. So like, if you're smart. What does what does society say about what a smart person is supposed to be? Because now we have this like identity crisis. If I am kind and compassionate, I give up my identity as a smart person. Society is telling me I'm not. So you have to like nurture one muscle. It's like going to the gym and never doing leg day. You know, nobody told me I had to do my whole body. Oh, chicken legs. Yeah, I'm gonna chicken end- leg syndrome. Right. So like, if people only look at you from like the the sh- the, the waist up, that's all you're gonna do. It's like, I don't get recognition for working on my legs, so why should I? People don't nurture kindness, empathy. They This is a world of rationality and, and science, right? So I'm going to focus just on that, which is a shame. Right. It is. And I think part of it, too, is like like you said, it's a kind of like a, like a vicious cycle because everyone around that person typically is like, oh, it's just because they're so smart, like they can't focus on anything else. So they Yeah, you them, get like, away with it, right? You get, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I hate the stereotype for, like, have you seen Sheldon? Um, yeah. I cannot, I'm sorry, I cannot <laughs> stand yeah. the bang theory. Yeah, me I neither. I hate that. Sheldon. Those stereotypes I of smart geeks, like, why are we doing I, this? Like, that's not what, I, that sucks. It just sucks. I think those are the most derogatory shows that exist. Mm-hmm. I truly believe they're super derogatory. Can't stand them. Everyone's like, oh, it's so funny. I'm like, it is disgusting. Because you're making fun of like, people. It's not funny, you know? <sighs> Yeah. Ho- again, whole other. <laughs> Sorry, back to uh, Paprika. <laughs> but there was this this one scene because we kind of talked about other stuff and not like self or identity. But there was this one scene, like the very first scene that we see is, I forgot the name, of the detective guy who uh, oh, yes. was like in a dream and then he's like doing this like, uh, like stint where they're going to like I don't know, like get someone and uh, he ends up in the cage and then he gets attacked by the audience that's like in the circus, but everyone there has his face. So it's oh. basically him himself attacking himself who's in the cage. And I was like, I freaking love this right here. <laughs> and uh, I made a post about it, which will be released sometime soon, next month. But um, it's actually like really interesting because when I saw that, I remembered that I did a project when I was in undergrad. We had a, he was like a, I, I forgot what class it was for. Uh, um, and I did this thing where it was like a PowerPoint that I did. And I can't remember what, but I put a unicorn inside of a cage. And then I forgot what the point, like, I just remember doing that, but I don't really remember anything else about the project or what the point of the project was. But then I started thinking about how 
Because later on, he wakes up and then it's all like, oh, it was all a dream or whatever that the, the girl was sort of like walking him through. And he was like, I don't understand. Like, what's happening? Why is this happening to me? And then he ends up understanding later, like much later in the thing. Mm-hmm. And then like me looking back as to why I put the unicorn in the cage. I was like, you don't make sense now because I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until like last year. But I've mm-hmm. always felt like I could accomplish so much more, but I couldn't. Like that I was meant to do a lot of good things, great things, but I just couldn't. I always felt like I was sort of like in a cage, um, restricted. Okay. And then like now looking back, it was like always oh, because I was just, I think at that time I was getting tired of having to mask myself in order to like fit in with other right. people and be normal or whatever. And um, so I want to have a discussion about that <laughs> about sort of like being yourself and finding yourself because the, the whole movie like a lot of the characters end up sort of like having this realization about their past or uh whether it's like acknowledging and accepting like who they are and then that's when they're able to like solve the mystery or like have the power to uh to save the world or you know stop the evil guy kind of thing um and uh, I think one of the things that was a while back, I was telling my brother that there was, uh, I was listening to a podcast with someone who I know has ADHD. Um, and I was like, hmm, there's something about it I didn't like. I didn't like uh, about like that specific podcast. And it, it just annoyed me so much. And I like thought about it for a few days. And then I realized that I understood that that person was masking during the podcast and I didn't like that. I hated mm-hmm. it because I, I like I was like, oh, it's so like it wasn't like I could tell at some level, some weird ADHD thing where I was like, she's not comfortable being herself right here. And that made me uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And uh, I was like, and now that I've sort of like slowly learning to like unmask and be like, OK, with like who I am and like forgetting everything and needing to write everything down in my notes otherwise I forget uh it's like life just seems like so much better and easier in some ways it hasn't really changed but it just I feel like like it mm-hmm. has gotten better and now I'm like you shouldn't mask mask and nobody should be masking you should just feel <laughs> free to be yourself and I'm like stop masking stop no and then like now I'm like I refuse I refuse to mask. I don't want to work in a place where I have to be like uber professional and I don't feel comfortable like in situations where I am being told that I need to not self-express because somebody might get offended. And then I'm like, well, uh, this clearly is not the good, like the best environment for me. Oh, especially in the field that we're all in slash surrounding, you know, because we are about expressing, we're about understanding and acknowledging if we're trying to tell people hey do this for yourself but we can't do it it's kind of contradictory Mm -hmm. you know um there's a show i was watching um i i've seen it a bunch of times now ted lasso and there's a therapist in ted lasso where she could not get him to open up because he didn't trust therapists and then once she opened up herself you know she she didn't have like a therapy session like delve into her personal life but she opened up enough on 
still professional type level, but she's like, hey, yeah, in this situation, I was scared. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you straight up. I was petrified. I didn't know if I could do this again. You know, she didn't have to go in specifics, but she's so opened up and that got him to open up. You know, if you can't express yourself. Human connection, you guys. Yes. <laughs> exactly. You know, I. that's why I know I personally, I we've had this conversation before. I, I don't like the, the better help situation. I have always been like, when I go to my therapist, I go in the office, in session, because I want to be held accountable. I want to have that connection. I want to see every little thing they do. I want them to see every little thing I do. Again, human connection. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a, it's a very powerful thing. And even our main character, Atsuko, uh, she... You know, she in and of herself learned to open up because her alter ego was Paprika, who was like this very brash and like powerful person, no fear, you know, and because she would go into the people's dreams and help them and seek them and and everything. And then but when she was Atsuko in real life, she was very like guarded, professional and everything and it wasn't until basically she had herself ripped from her alter ego that she was like i can be both i can understand you know i can bring both into it and you later throughout the movies you start to see the overlap you know and then she would even paprika would talk to like the chief and be like hey protect atsuko because like she's still learning to be me type of deal I love that yeah. so much. It, there, there was, like, it, I really did love the interaction because, like, towards the end, like, they, they kind of got into, like, this argument where, like, they were both, like, no, you're mean. And they're, like, no, have you considered that you're me? Like, or you can't be, like, the weird, like... She's fighting with herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the they Spider-Man the meme. Yeah. was the real one. Yeah, and it wasn't until they both of them at some point understood that they needed to like combine together in order to like create the person and i think that's um because we see that like a whole bunch too in like in the episodes because uh we see it a lot more clearly i think in the um the detective yes because we get a lot more of his backstory where he wasn't accepting something that he did or something that happened in his past so he was sort of like ignoring that part of his life the whole time and he was getting tired of it he was already sort of like feeling all the stress he couldn't think clearly like he was a a great detective but he couldn't solve this one like crime because um it was uh something that he wasn't like it also involved his friend as well Yeah, yeah and um it wasn't until like he accepted that that like his past and his not necessarily responsibility, but what he did. He accepted what he did, and then he accepted reality because he blamed himself. But then in reality, he's he like saw that it wasn't really his fault. Um, what happened to his friend? So then he was able to to uh to accept that and acknowledge it, and he could like movies and then again. Everything, yeah. But see, see I think because I talk to um, adults quite often and I talk to them about like hobbies and stuff sometimes when they're like 
really geeky and they like um like D or like magic the gathering and then i'm like hey do you have any hobbies like it's all like they always start like like very slowly like saying things like yeah i i you know have a thing that i do uh but you know this and then when i start getting really excited for them i was like oh tell me more then they kind of at first they start freaking out a little because nobody really reacts like that when you know you you talk about like your your super geeky hobbies um but then eventually they get more comfortable like we're talking about it and i i really want everyone to to be at a place where we don't really have to feel like ashamed like we have to hide our hobbies or like things that we're interested in uh, because other people might not understand. Right. No, I totally agree. Again, it's that melding of worlds. Mm -hmm. It's that full self-awareness, full self-confidence, you know, and even as, as Boone was mentioning before, like the acceptance of your archetype and in, you know, just fully accepting it in every part of it. Feelers can be smart too, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) i think throughout the whole movie i was kind of like i mean if you just like accepted yourself and acknowledged everything that was going on and like looked at like what was really happening you wouldn't really need the ds mini or whatever it was dc mini like you know like dc mini yeah Wait, DS is the video game. Yeah. <laughs> different, dif- different game. Just think of it as Dream Capture Mini. Uh, is oh, yeah. that what it stands for? I, I'm guessing. I don't know, but that's what makes sense in my brain. That that will make sense. All right. So Boone, no. Boone, Boone, why do you think people mask or feel the need to mask, especially in your form? One more time, inner what? Uh, feel the need to mask, especially like inner feel. Uh, because I don't really know very many. I think now it's more okay for therapists to be sort of like on some sort of social media and say, hey, I'm neurodivergent in some way or another. Uh, but I feel like that's still not quite uh, common. It Yeah, it's growing, but it's it's a lot of the... Eight, you already have the atypical population of therapists and everything. Like both of you, I would say would be more atypical therapists because you have different ways of interacting with who your patients and clients are. Whereas instead of the the whole sit on the couch, I listen, and then I'm going to throw some Freudian slips at you and then an opedius complex and then say, here's... $300 and get out of my office, you know, like. <laughs> oh, my turn to talk? <laughs> yes! Yeah! Yeah! Oh. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, so. Um, I mean, I like to explain with, like, what I think. So I think it has to do a lot with, like, so it's a very female lead oriented highly saturated field um the problem is we have white feminism permeating what is paired with morality and goodness 
And that equates to we're not wrestling waters. We're not going to poke at oppression. We're not going to talk about race. We're not going to talk about politics. So in the therapist groups, you have a big divide of like what people are allowed to talk about. Mm-hmm. So this is not about oppression and war. I'm not going to talk about Gaza, but, you know, ceasefire, you know, free Palestine. Like um, the thing is, if you mention that in the therapist groups, so many people are like, what about isms of like, what about my pain? What about my oppression? Like, what about this group of people? Like, are we not doing the whole and situation here as helpers? Don't you right. do that to your clients? Like the whole situation of like many things can be true at the same time. Like just because we're uplifting this demographic right now, suddenly you want to talk about this stuff. Like you had a place to talk about it before. Make another post. Like don't right. don't detract. <laughs> And try to play nice, like, oh, no, we still have to be nice. Like, what about other people's feelings? It's, yeah, you know what? What about other people's feelings? So you're not pushing people to be uncomfortable in a world that is so uncomfortable? Like, it's a weird definition of, like, what insight-oriented care looks like. Um, And that's the problem with not being able to truly be intersectional. um, Because they're not. Like, it's an addition to the program. It's not weaved into the actual curriculum where let's talk about systemically why the whole field looks a certain way. Like, why do we have to beg people of color to come into the field? Because you know what happened generations ago? We were experimented on. Mm-hmm. We got like swooped up off the street, homeless people, people who had schizophrenia, you know, like you were person of color. You got, um, what do you call it? Um, where you can't, sterilized you got sterilized just because they swooped you off the street and then like just because you didn't do anything wrong like i have a friend colleague from school her uncle was sterilized by the police just because he's walking around as a brown man like it it, you have that real trauma and again there's no like we said in the beginning accountability for what things you're associated with to do and so it does get messy because you do need to know where things come from it's like when people complain why are like, not all Black people or African-Americans are complaining, but, like, when some people do, they're like, why are you still complaining? It was, like, 400 years ago. I'm like, man, why are we doing this? Like, so right. every time someone says that, I'm like, do you have issues with how your parents did something for you when you were, like, 18, 19? Or do you still have that beef with them? Why are you still complaining? You're an adult now. Like, so, like, we can play this game all day long, you know? Like, <laughs> that's why we're all in the helping field, because things hurt each other. Like, mm-hmm. we hurt each other. So, but, but you um, know, there, there is something that I don't know how widely talked about is, but I haven't really come across it. But you uh, were, were talking about it just now. It reminded me of it. Where, like, yes, in therapy, we want to create this safe space for people to, like, connect with us and, like, share, you know, their, their painful experiences with us and feel comfortable and not judged. But also, there is a time where we need to push you and make you uncomfortable because that's the kind of, like, the only way where you're going to be yes. able to move forward. So if you're in a situation with a, your therapist right now where you feel really, really comfortable, it's either time for a new therapist or something's not going, yes. you know, like either you're not discussing something you need to be or like that therapist is not pushing as much as, as they should because sometimes we need to play a devil's advocate and be like, no, you, you're you're mm-hmm. wrong. You're doing it wrong. This is what you need in order to like overcome something. Yes. And, and again, it kind of goes back to like acknowledging something, accepting it and moving on. But if we are never put in an uncomfortable situation, then we're not really going to be able to grow from that. 
Oh, yeah. Exactly. I was going to so, say, that's why I've had multiple different therapists throughout my life. It wasn't because, like, oh, I had a child therapist and then I had a teen therapist. It's like, no. I There was one therapist. Mm-hmm. I loved her. And she did everything very, like, holistically. It wasn't just, like, clinically she would do, like, different practices. But at a certain point, I was like, I love you. I appreciate what you've done for me. But I'm literally getting nothing anymore. I've mm-hmm. I've moved right. on. I've graduated, so to say. I've graduated from therapy, but I've graduated from you. You know, love it. And mm-hmm. I went out and I found a different therapist after that. You know, it wasn't like I she was doing wrong or bad. It's just I just needed a little extra push that she couldn't give me at that point anymore. Mm-hmm. So, and it's totally right. fine to do that. Like. <laughs> And I think that's something, too, that we need to understand, too, as, like, therapists, uh, um, that that's sort of the goal, right? If you no longer need me, that's okay. If you're needing Mm -hmm. something a little bit different, fantastic. I can have a recommendation for you to check these people out and see if they would be helpful. But I sadly haven't really come across that many people that have that sort of mentality and kind of sad and it's because we're not told that you know i i know Mm -hmm. that from my background you know that from your background booty knows it from her background you know but the average person is just like well perfect example i i used to have a friend he went i pushed him to go to therapy he he was good in therapy and he i'm glad he went but his therapist basically said you can do no more with me and he took that as i'm cured i graduated therapy (gasps) and i'm like (laughs) no (laughs) it means she could not do anything more for you in her field and demographic she Mm -hmm. is sending Mm -hmm. you away to find something else you did not graduate shit if if you think that you definitely need more therapy, because <laughs> you're still fucked, sir. You are still fucked. Yeah. <laughs> That's the tricky part. Like the okay, one of the most. Let's see, one of the most useful skills a therapist, any helper in any practice can develop and shape over time is explaining what the process looks like their scope of practice and then advocating for your client to speak up because therapy is such a weird field helping someone heal inside here like what does that even look like we don't even fully understand the brain yet yeah exactly we don't even know and so like if someone comes in they're like um i think a therapist space is always supposed to be what you call a safe space sure it is it's also a place to grow and push yourself to be more so if we don't have that definition or even conversation in place, people have a misperception of what healing actually looks like. So you're never going to test yourself to grow where anything like a bump on the road happens, you're going to fall apart. And that's not what we want. We want people to feel like you can handle the outside world because it has been so safe with skills to practice with someone you actually trust. Yes. Yes. I second everything you said. I third it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but okay so and this is kind of when we can tie in the the one thing that i really want to talk about today which was how our thoughts or our dreams can be so 
powerful that they can become a reality, right? And then, so there's like some things, like as a field, we talked about how uh, a lot of people feel uncomfortable doing certain things uh, or talking about certain topics in therapy that we just sort of ignore that, right? Mm -hmm. But in... It like it becomes like that sort of ignoring it becomes so powerful that it, it's starting to influence other other things right or other areas uh, around us and it can be harmful for our clients as well if we keep trying to ignore those things or not address them or only address them superficially um in a sense but even sort of like at an individual level too like our perceptions of people can be or of a situation can be so strong that it's gonna like change that reality, right? So if we are constantly thinking that other people are going to uh, bully us, so I might as well start doing it first, eventually you're gonna end up surrounded by people who are also like a bunch of bullies, right? So then it just sort of becomes your reality. And, um, this is something that I have. So I've started really getting interested in um, in VTuber and VTubers, <clears throat> and uh, there is this weird sort of thing going on there because you can't really see them. Most of them choose not to uh, show what they actually look, and then so when they stream, either they take on a persona or uh, they say things, and then people watching become. Um, so attached to maybe like a specific thing that they said or like a oh. a dream or, or a conception of what they think the person is supposed to mm-hmm. be like, that when it gets proven wrong, it just shatters the whole reality. But it wasn't real, like, but they held on to that thought or to that idea for so long that they were like, yeah, this has to be it. Hmm. I mean, that so it all comes back to self-acceptance you know if you accepted yourself you could accept multiple facets of a personality or persona and it also you can bring that into multiple forms of media like a a perfect thing is i was just talking about this with um somebody the other day about fandoms and like perfect example is like the star wars fandom the person who played jar jar banks People couldn't separate the actor from the character and he was harassed and attacked. The same thing happened with the um, sequel trilogy, you know, where the one girl who I I forget, but she like went off yeah, social media thing. because they yeah. are attacking the character. And it's like, she's not the character. She's playing a role. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to the separation of, again, imaginary and reality. That once they see the two combined, people cannot get past that. And it's like we do have to understand there is a divide. You know, I there's or um another thing too, like there's some actors who play the villain so well that they like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's like holy crap, like you think it's the villain, and then they're honestly the nicest people on the planet, but people don't see that. They're like, Oh, you're such an asshole. And it's like, I was playing a role. <laughs> you know, it, it goes mm-hmm. to so many different facets and it's that separation of dreams you know and the reality you need to have enough confidence in oneself and the world around you to separate that otherwise just like in paprika the dreams started to meld with reality 
and get intertwined and it's like that made the world go into chaos because of it so but it kind of does start like you said um or you mentioned it's a from it starts from the self if you haven't acknowledged either a part of yourself or you haven't uh just acknowledged yourself in general it that's what causes problems right because one of the things that i was thinking with the uh what's the professor x guy what's his name i don't know what his name is I don't know <laughs> the yes the chair the chairman he he looked he, he was bald he had one of those like electronic mm. chairs he looked like professor x chair he was basically Professor he, X. He wasn't, and then he's just like showing up. He was He was an evil <laughs> Professor X. It's hysterical. But you're talking about uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah, but we could call evil Professor X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so he couldn't accept the fact that he was no longer able to walk and essentially like be normal so then he changed everything around him in order to make that happen but then he like again it was like that thought that he just couldn't accept it so then everything around him started changing it just got worse and because he couldn't accept that um it reached other people who couldn't accept who they were or what they were doing either so it all just became just like like how he took over he he took this over weird Hin- parade that was going. And he over. like how he took over Himura yeah. and was trying to like take his body and and then Himura was couldn't accept things and he was like, well, I normally wouldn't attack Atsuko, but I guess I will now because you know. Yeah, and and I think that that's that's kind of what I was saying. Where like it, it, he changed his reality around him because right. he couldn't accept that one thing. Um, Oh no, my thought, it was such a good thought and just sort of flew out the window. Ah, I looked at my nail and I was like, ooh, and then it was gone. (laughs) Wait, wait. Uh, 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 It's okay. No, I'm going to have to come back to it. Yeah, we'll come back to it. It's okay. What it was, but. I bet it comes back in 30 seconds. No problem. But I mean, I'm I'm sure like we we can all rant and rave about, you know, we have to learn to love ourselves and then that projects it into the world, blah, blah, blah. Like we can we can only rant about it for so long without being like a dead horse. But oh, wait, sorry. (laughs) I remember remember what I was going to say. But see that that's what happens. That's how you get sort of like that mob like mentality. Right. So if I cannot accept my situation or my reality I am going to essentially use and abuse other people who cannot accept their reality and we will become a mob. Um, so if you are not like sure of yourself, if you're not in a, 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 a place where you can acknowledge who you are and your situation and be comfortable with it, um, then you are just going to become like one of them. Right. Because that's what everybody else is doing. And like humans in general, we do need that like, uh, like to, we need to socialize we need mm-hmm. each other uh, in order to be able to survive and continue to, to grow and flourish and stuff um, but the problem happens is that people who tend to reach that level of like nirvana or whatever where they acknowledge themselves they're comfortable with who they are they um, kind of stay isolated 
in some ways because it's so hard to live in a world that is so broken. It's so hard to constantly have to be fighting the system. Um, and you get disillusioned, you get burnt out. Like those people, like um, I just recently graduated and I'm barely coming into the field and I want to make all these changes happen um, in our field and want to erase all the stigma that's happening, uh, you know, in mental health and the geek community. Um, and I've only been doing it for like, maybe like, like seriously, like for two and a half years or so. And I'm getting burnt out because I just can't see it going anywhere. It's I'm not growing as fast yeah. as I, as I would like to. Things are taking so much longer. There's so much you have to do. I have zero finances I can count on uh, to make things happen. And so it's really hard. So my thing would be like just to leave it all and then like sort of like keep to myself and like that few group of friends who are sort of like on the same boat as me. So and then you have the people over here that are really struggling to accept the reality of what's happening and, and the knowledge. And they're just constantly seeking for a uh, scapegoat um, for whatever situation right. and they become a mob. And then I was like, no, we need to become a good mob. Like the mob that, you know, accepts who we are. We're not masking. We all be, should become a mob of goodness <laughs> and build those communities to attract more people. Because that's why I always talk about, like I felt really self-conscious talking about the fact that I had ADHD or like even showing my face in, um, when I first started, I remember, yeah, and now it just became very, yeah, and now it became like more comfortable with it. I'm like, whatever. My last video, I have this like half ponytail thing, and I was like, what was I thinking? But it's out there now, <laughs> so you can see it. <laughs> I have great things to say. Just don't, look dude. I he was join the club, man. Some of but, the videos like, of me out there, shoot, but it's there now. <laughs> <laughs> but see like that's those are the things like we need to talk about because i realized like in my own like personal life the more i talk about my own mental health the more my sibling yep. needs to be talking about it the more he's comfortable talking about it and then so whenever i talk to my friends uh <laughs> grown-up problems last time i actually hang out <laughs> with my friends in person was like last year comic con <laughs> and so I, I just started saying something about ADHD or whatever. And then slowly they were like, oh, that was right. something that we had never really like talked about before. But we started talking about it. And yeah, we're all ADHD in some way or another. And I was like, yeah, that's why we're friends. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like, we've never talked about it. And we'd be like really great friends for like so long. But those are things that we tend to not bring to light. But again, because I've now being like watching streamers and they're comfortable talking about their like their anxiety their social anxiety and that's why you know they're vtubers or like talking about their medical problems or whatever it is people feel more comfortable talking about their own stories and that's what we need right that's the kind of mouth we, we need to be like you know uh, providing a place for us to be able to to share those stories with everyone and feel comfortable and um enough to listen. this is why i made this podcast <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> all right so i mean do we have any like close out things that we want to say about either paprika or these subject topics i know elizabeth went on her rant boone did you need a quick rant as well <laughs> yes yes the floor is yours thank you um i will bounce off uh thank you i'll bounce off what you said it's similar um so 
when you come into your own like the individuation process right um it's kind of similar to what you said where being alone and working on yourself is like the hardest thing because you'll have the shadow of society poking at you people don't want to work on themselves because you have to take accountability for the times that you've wronged people too not just society hurting yourself right mm -hmm. it's it's this whole situation it's not just constantly feeling like you're burdened with the problems of life because everyone's got something and mm -hmm. once you realize that you can't judge other people but you if you use that as your way of not growing and constantly using your energy for that that's just easy an easy out mm -hmm. you know taking personal right. responsibility for changing and growing it is an isolating process because it's like this back and forth of like so i kind of picture um i mean i guess like a waking world and unconscious world it's like that like if you have society in the waking world and the dreams is like your refuge to grow it's similar where you can only step into society once in a while because you get bombarded with the wrong messages right. of who you think you're not you know like anything that's wrong with you, society is going to highlight that. They're going to like magnetize that because uh, magnify it because they want you to come back down to the shadows with them, too. And so like if you're a light in the world of darkness, yeah, they're going to come for you. So it's something that I notice. It's something I see whenever people are authentic, like the unmasking process. You have to be brave. You have to have like yep. the strongest foundation of who you are or you'll get sucked in again and again and it'll break you. And then that's why I do disappear because it's hard. You know, when you say things that other people don't want to hear because they don't want to be the bad guy, like, I don't want to be the bad guy, but I sometimes am. You're like, that's, no one can take that from me. I admit that I have wronged people and hurt people. Because I said that, you can never use it against me. I can be accountable. I can be truthful about it. And I know that it's like, no judgment. We can't do that. You know, like, if we're going to fall into that trap, yeah, again and again, we're going to keep on becoming our worst enemy. Mm -hmm. And that's where we allow the process to happen. But over time, you take that responsibility of like, what's the pattern here? Who is the person that keeps poking me? What's the type of person or thing or idea that like triggers me all the time? And what can I do about it to get away? And so that's why we probably do disappear so much because we have to. It's the right. same well, that, thing to do. I know in for me personally, world. that's why I, the first thing I'll always do is like, look, I know I'm that bitch. I will be a bitch, but I will be a loving, caring mother and friend <laughs> as well to you. But, right, we're if complex. you piss me off, yeah. I will be that bitch. <laughs> like, I and I'm straight up with people of that. I'm like, look, mm -hmm. you, I, I'll be your best friend or worst enemy. That's the first thing I say to people. I was like, it takes a lot for me to 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 make an enemy. But once you do, you're a fucking enemy, you know. And and I'm okay with being that bitch and saying mm -hmm. that because i know once i've been pushed to that point that it's toxic for me and i need that out of my life so it's a so it's me saying look yeah i might be a bitch but i'm protecting myself so you know exactly but you, you know what happens is that i think a lot of the time more often than not we're reflecting because we are, we take on a slightly different personality or different sort of like habits and, and moods, depending on what situation, you know, what we're in. And, and that's completely like normal thing to do. But sometimes I, I think we, it, we are having a hard time understanding that if this person is being super mean to me, 
Mm. Probably because I'm also being me, you know? Mm-hmm. And that we don't want responsibility for any of that. But we are just reflecting because that's what happens in arguments, right? When you're arguing with somebody and they start raising your voice, you're like, oh, no, I am going to one-up you. Like, I will raise my voice more, and I'll start cursing, and, like, it's going to be me. And then the other person, it just escalates, right? And then that's sort of what happens. But neither person at that time is at a spot, maybe, where they can take responsibility for, like, sorry, I shouldn't have yelled, or I shouldn't have said that, maybe later on, you know, uh, if you're a healthy individual. Um, But a lot of the times, we we don't sort of uh, have that. So... Again, because lately I've been spending a lot of my time online, I'm starting to realize this too, where like I was telling my brother, I've been online for a while, but all I have received from people online have been like good things. Like everyone has been like super supportive and like super great. And then I was like, I'm afraid, like the trolls are coming. I know they're coming, Mm -hmm. like they're out there somewhere. And then I was like, but probably not as attracted to the things that I am doing because that's not an environment they they feel comfortable in because that's not where uh what they're oh dude I feed off trolls trolls. man I love it (laughs) and and then so I was like okay and then I was I was watching these like youtuber and there were somebody in the chat said something along the lines of like every person gets like um the audience that they're they're seeking and i was like that's true if you're like you're a good person and you're creating like a safe environment for people and like that that also includes sometimes you know being that bitch and like kicking people out of your chat if you're being rude or mean to other people because you're trying to protect not only yourself oh yeah i call that my mama bear complex Uh, then and i you've you've definitely both of you have seen my mama bear like because i'm like those are mine i defend them they're mine fuck off (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't you dare hurt my babies <laughs> but see that that that's sort of that's sort of the mentality that, that we need to have more or we need to like go more towards that sort of mentality where we want to create this safe environment for myself that mm-hmm. will eventually also become a safe environment for other people yes right so it's not necessarily because a lot of you know there might be People who are like, oh, but I don't want to be mean back. And yes. I'm like, it's not being mean if you're just setting boundaries, right? And, and I, that's a lot of the things, too. Like, when we're talking about, like, setting boundaries with another person, they're like, oh, well, you know. And that's that's even me because I, I can be like, okay, I can set boundaries and stuff, like, like with you guys and, like, my siblings and stuff. But my parents are, like, a whole different animal <laughs> because they're my parents, you know? And then so I'm like, yeah, I need to like become more comfortable with setting boundaries and do it in a way where I don't feel like I'm a bad daughter or like I'm talking back to them, you know, or they feel that way as well. So essentially like we all need to become comfortable, like setting those boundaries. So we keep those environments safe for us. So we have to hide away a little less, you know, because Mm -hmm. we have that foundation and that community that's supporting us when we need it. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. I'm glad we're on the same page. That's why we're friends. Yes. Oh my goodness. Wait, I still want to know why the creepy doll was doing the half hydra salute. <laughs> because reasons. Why? Why? Reasons. Look, I'm telling you, it all makes sense. I'll get a little high, watch it, and it'll make more sense. I trust. Trust me. <laughs> 
Was, yeah. it, was, it, was it because the guy was acting like a dictator? I, okay, part of me was like, hey, maybe this is like a historical thing. Maybe that's the kind of doll and that's the Pope. No. I don't know. No. I don't want to assume anything. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. There's some things that are legit and like straight up and some things are a metaphor. And it, it's a whole lot of in between. Just again, the imagery of paprika needs like 20 watchings. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, I own the DVD. I've watched it a billion times. And even to this day, I'm like, oh, that's new. Oh, that's new. <laughs> like, Wait, there's there's one last thing that I, I, I kind of wanted to, to talk about. Um, Is this the last thing last thing or like the last, last, last sure, thing? For sure, the last one. I've gone over on my notes. This is the <laughs> last one. But I just sort of like highlighting okay. the fact that oftentimes what we want in our life is control, right? That's why we ignore certain things that will be prevent ourselves from doing certain things or stepping out of our comfort zone. We want to have that control because we think that's going to keep us safe. But I think one of the characters said this, where like control is an illusion. And then I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. I just want to like talk a little bit more about that because it, it truly is like the more control you think you have, the less control you actually have or what's going on. But we don't really see it that way. Yeah, because the more... there With life, it's, it's not like a video game where if you do this quest on this dungeon and this level, it's a straight line. You know, life, there's a billion factors, you know? Perfect example. I thought this was going to be perfect recording. I didn't expect my dog to run in doing his zoomies and like barking. That That's a factor I couldn't control. Even though I thought I shut the door, I didn't realize a three pound dog could bust my door down. But, you know, it happens. It's there's you can never fully control things. And it's, it, you know, you just got to roll with it, man. It's because life because life is life literally <laughs> like you can't control that you can't control it more than an ant can control you stepping on it because you didn't see it it's literally because you didn't see it same type of thing like you can't see every factor in your life it, it, it's impossible and i think it's sort of this weird thing where like the more comfortable we are with understanding that we don't have any control over this the more control we have <laughs> because then we start controlling like our own reactions to things we start realizing the things that truly matter the things that make no difference kind of thing so it's it's this really weird kind of thing i kind of want to weave i it. mean don't get me wrong mm-hmm. yeah like don't get me wrong i want to ch- when i go to work and my computer acts up i definitely want to chuck it across the room <laughs> i can't control that but it's still fresh. I accept I can't control it, but it's still frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. I want to bounce off that because I think people think they want control. They actually just want to learn how to accept things. So life happens. Things are hard. Um, there's a lot of pain. And to me, it's like energy. If you can accept the energy flowing through you, there's no blockage. But we're trying to control the energy and the pace that it goes through your body and your mind then that's where we have a problem because you are just 
like living matter right now. <laughs> we're the like wait, I, I don't have the quote. I wish I did. Like we're the universe experiencing itself, right? So like if we allow ourselves to just be matter flowing in its own state, then that's it. It just is. And so we can't can I stop energy going through my arm? Like, can I stop an emotion? Like you can cognitively think about it, but you can't limit how much it's going to affect you. It's like that one metaphor of like trying to stop a teapot or a kettle from boiling, right? If you like cover it, it's going to explode. So if you want to try and control it, go ahead. I dare you. I don't dare you. Please don't do that. Like, so if... (laughs) (laughs) disclaimer please do not do this at home (laughs) but that's what we think we think we have so much power over control and control and that's for me like the difference between a person who is connected to different aspects as being one of many compared to one who thinks they are part of a hierarchy if you're part of a hierarchy you think you have to control things in order to have some sense of peace or power in your life if you feel like you're a part of it then you know that everything else around you deserves peace and ability to grow as well in its own way like you're no better than the ant you know that you're going to about to squish you know like um it's it's kind of like that like if you're one with nature and the universe then you do have a greater sense of acceptance that things just happen i can't control the the rotation of the sun i mean the sun doesn't rotate the rotation of the planets (laughs) around the sun like not like that's out of our control if you know that you're just rotating like very very fast that's a miracle in itself. And when you have that acceptance and awe, I think that helps you realize there's not much I can do. I'm just here until I die. Like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. Like, I get to talk to you while I'm still alive. That's amazing. You know, like, awe and acceptance helps a lot. Right. And it just, lives become so much more, like, easier and simpler. That's why I was so, like, weirded out and I'm still trying to, I'm, I'm still trying to sort of, like, have a better understanding of, you know, the role that science can place in our, in, our, in our everyday life but yeah like if you are sort of accepting that you're sort of like in this world and there's so much things that you cannot control and you are sort of uh i think it's just because you're more aware of it that life yeah. just yeah. becomes easier like all those things that like all the societal expectations all those other things kind of fall on the wayside and they're like you know that doesn't really matter like Exactly. Even if I were to go bankrupt, even if I were to lose my car, even if I were to like not graduate, those were some of my anxious thoughts that I had. Uh, and that, like for some reason, my brain was like, and then that's the end of your life. And then I was like, but is it though? And then I was like, no, right. it isn't. I will still be able to do the things I love. I will still be able to hang out with my friends. I will still, like, it wouldn't be in the same way that I had imagined it, but I was placing so much emphasis on that. It needs to be this way that I was ignoring everything else. And then, but once yeah. I started becoming comfortable with like, I have no control of what anything is happening. Like life just got easier and better and i started enjoying that a lot more and actually living i think that's the other thing but this is probably like for another (laughs) episode where we talk about like you know the difference between being alive and living i'm just gonna oh man we went deep Uh, we're getting heavy now (laughs) (laughs) so hold on because this is gonna be a six hour episode you guys Bro, I gotta go work. <laughs> no, forget work. Work fun. doesn't matter. <laughs> That's not what we mean Fine. when we say. 
dude, dude, you're not you're not the one who's gonna pay off this fucking surgery I had. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing matters. Just be one with the universe. Hope that yeah, no, yeah. releasing control is not that. No, stop. <laughs> I am one with the universe. My insides are in a bio bag somewhere in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> They're just floating on a bag somewhere. <laughs> you know, okay. do you know what that I, reminds me of? Wait, have you guys seen that game? Oh, it's called Little Company. Yeah. Where, like, if you don't, like, acquire, like, enough money for the company, you get fired, but you basically get, like, shot out of space. <laughs> so yeah. that, 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 I don't know, that's just something. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Before we travel on to a tw- 20th different topic, I think we should end the episode here. <laughs> Oh, I think it was a very fine way to intro this season. I again, I love Satoshi Khan. I love Paprika. Everyone should watch it if you don't want to buy it, like me, because I'm a freak. You there, you can see it on YouTube. That's awesome. Boone, that's your homework. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, again, thank you, ladies, so much. I love the crap out of you both. And uh, until next time, till next episode, this was Mind Brain Movies, and I loved being your Sherpa. Exactly. Tell me something, does it actually exist? You know, Allie, I don't want to give away the ending. I love it. <laughs>